This is a re-recording of a sermon on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Rotherham Evangelical Church. Now, I know that some of you know that while I was in Cayman, I worked for a number of years in personnel. And so during that time, I did quite a few job interviews the reason for that was, well, partly it was my job, and also partly because that's how government got the skills and to do what it needed to do. There were a few unusual interviews, but nothing as spectacular as some of these. So here are just a couple of the most bizarre true stories, we believe they are true stories, given by interviewers. She wore a Walkman, And she said she could listen to me and to the music at the same time. Or try this one. He wouldn't get out of the chair until I would hire him. I had to call the police. One interviewer said that the applicant had challenged them to an arm wrestle. In another one, the... During the interview, an alarm clock went off from inside the candidate's briefcase. He took it out, shut it off, apologised, and said that he had to leave for another interview. Well, fortunately for us, God does not equip his church in this way, through job interviews. He already knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what the church needs, and most importantly, the Holy Spirit then equips us with the gifts necessary to do the job. Someone once said that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And so today we're going to look at how God does that, how he equips the body of Christ, that is the church, through giving spiritual gifts. You might want to make sure that uh, with your Bible open, uh, we're going to be, keep your finger in it because we're going to be flicking backwards and forwards, looking at a number of different passages. Normally, Here we will look at one particular passage and really dig into that. But today's more of a topical subject as we're thinking about how God equips the church. But before we get any further, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that REC would know what it is to be the body of Christ. That we would see how each of us has been equipped, each one of us, in such a way as to have everything we need to be the church you've called us to be, Right here, in, right here in Rotherham, right now in 2014. Lord, help us then to use these gifts that you've given us so that people would see you glorified. Lord, hide me behind the cross. I'm a man of unclean lips, not even worthy to be in your presence. Sanctify my word so your people would hear what you want them to know. Change every heart. Challenge us in every way. Thank you, Father. Amen. So, last week we looked at the passage straight after this one where Paul was talking about what the body of Christ actually was. And we found out that uh, the body of Christ was a group of Christians who had been brought together as a local church, sharing the Holy Spirit and the same baptism and the same gospel. And we also thought about what that meant for us, living today, together, as the body of Christ. 
and also that every Christian belongs and have been brought here specifically by God and that we all have all brought gifts that have been given us by God and finally that the reason behind all that just makes it so necessary that we are all here and that we all belong and we ended last week with some reflections on the fact that it's all pretty meaningless if we don't love each other and act in a way that is loving towards each other so this week we're continuing with the theme of the body of Christ and looking some more at how we live together and what is a very interesting and sometimes even a controversial question we said in 1 Corinthians excuse me we said about 1 Corinthians that it was two church leaders called Paul and I can never say this Sosthenes who were answering a number of questions which the, the Christians at Corinth had asked them and by the way you can always spot those questions because uh, when Paul's replying he applies with now dot 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 dot, dot whatever's whatever his answer is so if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 or 8 verse 1 or 16 verse 1 you can see the the beginning of his his answers I don't know if you've ever played the sort of the game uh, guess the question someone gives you an answer and you have to guess the question it's a bit like that for us here reading this part of Corinthians we know what Paul's answers are and we're left to guess the questions But here in our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul does that. He says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. There in verse 1. And we scratched at this, the surface of some of this last week about this idea of, of the body of Christ being equipped. So let's dive into the text. Notice that he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I, you know, I don't, I want you to understand the reality of what's going on in the church, the reality of having gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Well, I think we can assume that the church in Corinth had some misunderstandings or or hadn't got it right in some way. Uh, We know earlier on in the letter, uh, some of the Corinthians had claimed to be sort of super spiritual and were bigging up their gifts saying, oh, look how holy I am or look how much God has given me by implication how little God has given you generally just being really uptight group of guys and the first thing we're going to think about is who does God equip with spiritual gifts who does God equip with spiritual gifts he says in verse 2 here uh, that when the Corinthians first came to be Christians that they'd formerly been pagans which mean worshipping all kinds of of idols uh, probably quite recently for them they may have been worshipping Greek or Roman gods or, or some kind of local gods. Look how he describes them. Mute idols. Uh, these gods that they're worshipping are just objects. Compare that to the living God of the Bible who communicates and tells us what he's like, who says, here I am, I created you and I love you. Look at what the Bible says about these idols. This is in Psalm 115. So Psalm 115, beginning in verse 4. But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. 
eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, and noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Get this, those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Paul is saying, you know, Paul is saying back in in 1 Corinthians here, I don't want you to be ignorant about what I'm saying about gifts. He wants people to have good theology about the gifts. He's saying to the Corinthians, having different gifts is not a sign of different gods. They're not a sign that some of you are better than others, but you have been behaving as if they were, as if the gifts were a sign that some were from God and some were not, or, or they perhaps are reflecting something they'd done for God, some kind of, and this was some kind of reward. I think also Paul's clarifying that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are only from God and they're not given by idols and they're not demonic. A, an aside here, a, a word. I, I think that it's not particularly fashionable in some Christian circles to refer to the devil or even to say that he exists. Even to say we have an enemy in some cases. If you're a Christian and you're here today, then you're in warfare actually with three enemies. One is your own flesh. That is the desires of our physical body that we war against. Uh, The world, that is uh, that non-Christian culture and the people about us who don't recognize God. Some of them are going to be overly uh, critical and will even persecute in, in subtle or not so subtle ways, trying to mislead people, trying to mock us, causing us to doubt our faith and salvation. But the third, the third enemy is the devil. C.S. Lewis said in the Screwtape Letters, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Yes, there is a devil and and he has other allied spirits. However, we have nothing to fear from him. Yes, he is our enemy, but he is not God. So he's not, he doesn't know everything, he's not everywhere at the same time in the way that God is, uh, and he's certainly not in charge, he's certainly not sovereign. And most importantly, we know how he ends up. We know the end of the story. But anyway, back in our passage, Paul is saying the gifts of the Holy Spirit will not be used in such a way as to deny Jesus, uh, either in an obvious way, like saying Jesus be cursed, or even in more subtle ways. Uh, A spiritual gift of teaching, for example, uh, is not something that's going to be used uh, in a way that's going to consistently sort of deny scripture and to to pull the Bible down. Uh, Likewise, only the Holy Spirit or things that the Holy Spirit can say, Jesus is Lord. Only these gifts that we are talking about today can build up the church and encourage the church in the way that God has designed I mean, you know, realistically, if you're being honest, have you ever heard a non-Christian say, Jesus is Lord, like they mean it? I know that I've heard thousands of, of people use the name of God as a curse. It says, 
No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And Paul was talking about pagans in Greece at that time, but he could have said that about us. It's a word you don't often hear, pagan. It doesn't mean hanging out in the woods and uh, painting yourself blue. Although I suppose you could do if you came from a very new age worldview. But it's really someone who does not worship God. If you're here today and you are a Christian, it's worth remembering that we also used to worship something before we became a Christian, even if it was only ourselves. And then we came to Christ. Like the Corinthians, we did not stay pagans, although nothing that we did enabled us to be called to Jesus. God loved us from before the beginning of time, even before we were born. What an incredible thought that is. And he did not leave us as we were. He did something practical to save us. That love had an action and he sent his son, Jesus, who left heaven, came to earth, and lived a life that was perfect. And he's the only person to have ever done that. And at the very peak of his life, at the very top of his game, he died in our place. Because as pagans, as those who worship other gods, we had all deserved to die. But he sacrificed his own life. So that when God looks at us, he sees his son and counts us as being right with him. And our response to that, the only response to that, as Paul says here, is Jesus is Lord. We trust in this Jesus and we say Jesus is Lord. We trust in him and we turn away from our own lives, we turn away from the life we used to live and try and live the life that he wants us to live. We say Jesus is Lord in a way that means it from our hearts. We say Jesus is Lord, we are saved. And as a result of that, we receive the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, he gives us gifts. Spiritual gifts to be used to build up the church. And notice, just slightly jumping ahead here, notice in verse 7 he says that the gifts are given to each one. This is really important. He's saying that each believer is given one or more spiritual gifts. We all have at least one. That's why it's necessary that we're all part of the church. We've all been brought here, like we were saying last week, according to God's purpose. And part of that purpose is to use the gift he's given us to build up his church. So having looked at who can have spiritual gifts, where do they come from? Look how Paul emphasises the fact of the diversity of gifts and how that, that is not a cause for, or should not generate, disunity. Look in verse 4, 5, and 6. Each case, he's talking about different kinds of, different kinds of, different kinds of. Just because the gifts are very diverse doesn't mean they come from different places. Also, it doesn't mean they should divide a church. We'll talk more about that later. But one gift is not better than the other and he points out the role that each member of the Trinity has in spiritual gifts. There's different kinds of gifts, one spirit. It is the spirit of God that's common amongst believers. Different gifts are not indication of different spirits. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. This is making reference to Jesus as a servant. 
how often did he talk about being a servant or taught lessons about being servants uh, like when he washed his disciples' feet? And in that way we serve the body of Christ and our brothers and sisters in the name of our servant king. In one way, you know, we've all directly been served by Jesus in that he died for us all on the cross. Well, that's an incredible thought, isn't it? That he, he has served us personally when he died to take our sins and give us his righteousness. And so however we serve, however we use our gifts, it's in the spirit of Jesus, in the spirit of being a servant. But also, if Jesus is a serving God, then God the Father is a working God. Look at verse 6. Different kinds of working. But the same God works all of them in all men. God works for the body of Christ through us. That's why it says in all men. He works for us, but through us. Remember how we said last week that the God the Father arranges the believers in the body of Christ in exactly the way he wants to. That's further on in this chapter, verse 18. And so we become the means in which he administers grace to the church. And that's how he does most of what he does. 99% of what he does is through us. But he's a working God. So the next question we might ask about spiritual gifts is what are they? You know, I do love I do love this about the the Bible that it answers the questions that we have. So in verse seven, it tells us what spiritual gifts are. Firstly, it says they're a manifestation of the Spirit. That means they're how God, the Holy Spirit, turns up in an individual's life. Secondly, it says that spiritual gifts are used for the common good. We've already talked about that a little bit, but the, 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 the gifts, the spiritual gifts are meant to build up the church, the whole church, not one individual. Uh, and also we can see in verse 8 through 10, they, they empower certain abilities. They're essential for our fellowship together, for how we live together as one body, as the body of Christ. And in verse 8 and 10 then, uh, Paul gives us uh, a list of some gifts. Uh, Notice how often there are words in there about being from the same spirit. Again, reinforcing that thing of unity, that idea of unity. And I want want you to notice a few things about this uh, list. Up on the screen there, we've got two lists. One's from 1 Corinthians, uh, one from Romans, a list of spiritual gifts. Although Paul is at pains to emphasize they come from the same place, notice they're all not uniform. Uh, If you look at this list of gifts from Romans 12 with me very quickly, uh, this list of of gifts is, is different to the one in 1 Corinthians. This implies but they're not exhaustive lists. There may be others. So we shouldn't be getting too hung up on one particular gift or its particular definition. Uh, thirdly, notice those gifts are in different orders in different places. So there's no particular ranking. Uh, apostles and prophets uh, are at the top. Uh, tongues, Speaking tongues at the bottom. But that may be, to be fair, because of speaking in tongues being such an issue uh, 
uh, here in the church in Corinth and, and later on in chapter 14 Paul talks a lot about that and, and uh, speaking in tongues fourthly notice some gifts are only mentioned once and when you go through the Bible there are other places where gifts are listed but some of them are only listed once so it becomes hard for us to say exactly what they are because they're not modelled in the Bible again coming back to the idea of not getting too caught up on, on what they are um, in there when Paul talks about gifts of healings notice that's plural so there's not one gift of healing but there are a number of gifts of healing there are different ways various ways in which healing is taking place uh, same for uh, miraculous powers again plural uh, a broad category uh, presumably quite dramatic When Paul is also notice in this list here that when Paul is talking about speaking in tongues, he says there should always be someone present who can interpret the speaking in tongues. Otherwise, they should keep silent. Why is that? Because otherwise, how is it going to build up the body of Christ? If no one can understand it, how is anyone going to get what the message was? It's there to edify the church. And Paul says in chapter 14, he'd rather preach than speak in tongues. And, and lots more about speaking in tongues. That's a whole other sermon we don't have time to get into. Also notice on this list is prophecy in verse 10. Uh, most commentators think this is not an Old Testament type of prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah who comes bringing the word of God and declares either uh, God's blessings or uh, woe to God's people uh, as they would in the Old Testament. This doesn't have the same kind of binding authority that uh, seems to be present with the Old Testament prophets. This seems to be more like preaching, opening and explaining uh, God's word and telling God's people how they might want to apply it. Um, I think I also want to suggest to you that some of these gifts are ones that, that we relate to and, and recognise quite well, so wisdom, faith, and some are ones that we may never personally have observed, uh, particularly in the Western culture of the 21st century, like speaking in tongues or, or healing or miraculous signs. So there's always been some debate in the church as to whether or not these gifts stopped at the time of the apostles or perhaps shortly afterwards or whether some of them have continued to the present day in the church or even all of them uh, some churches even some whole denominations have very particular views on that question we do not particularly hear speaking personally although I've never seen anything I would view as genuinely speaking in tongues or, or healing in the way we described here there are good men and women who I trust uh, and who say that they have. More importantly, I've certainly seen some of the other spiritual gifts. So I suppose I would say that where I was a little sceptical about some of the manifestations that we've been talking about, that some of these gifts, uh, but generally speaking, they've carried on into the church today. And what's more important, what's far more important about this debate, is that although there's a lot of debate and a lot of uh, discussion in some churches and some denominations 
We should not be divided over spiritual gifts. Churches should never divide over spiritual gifts. Why not? The answer is here because they've been given to build up the church. They've been given to edify the church, not to be a source of division. That should never happen. Let's think about about some other aspects. Compare these gifts to, say, uh, a cricket club or a craft club. Some of you may may well be involved in such organisations. You may be on the boards of such organisations. And if you are on the board or if you are involved in those kind of clubs, um, then you tend to be on the lookout for people to get involved who are perhaps great administrators, uh, well-connected people so they can network and bring more people in and make things happen, uh, accountants, although why uh, speaking as an accountant you want an accountant, I don't know, uh, IT people to get their websites up and running and your social media um, people to look after the premises people to write good press releases people who can volunteer lots of time, people who can clear up after the meeting, people who can run your Facebook page what does God look for in the body of Christ God looks for broken people people who are hurt and desperate, people who know that they cannot save themselves people who are looking for a miracle who know that they cannot make it on their own, not with their own skills. Yes, some of the people will be competent in in the kinds of things we're talking about, but most of all, praise God, most of all the people God looks for are dead people who he's going to call to life through their saviour, Jesus Christ. So if these gifts are from the Holy Spirit and they're given to each Christian just as he determines why does he give them? I mean what is the reason he's giving them? Well first of all we know that they've been given for the common good we looked at that back in verse 7 not for our personal recognition or private enjoyment turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 for a moment This is what it says over there. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So we can see here... uh, that the gifts of service, verse 12, have been given to prepare God's... Excuse me. That the gifts have been given to prepare God's people for works of service. So they've been given to 
do works of service that elsewhere, Paul says, have been prepared for us in advance to do. So these, give, these uh, acts of service are already ready. we just got to figure out what they are. Uh, the gifts have been given to uh, build up the body there. Uh, the gifts have been given, look in verse 13, so we might get this concept. We're going to talk about this more next week, but, but we might reach unity. Also, notice that the gifts have been given so we might become mature in Christ. And that idea means, you know, starting to act and think like his son Jesus. Uh, but there's some other places where it talks in the Bible about um, spiritual gifts in that way, just, just and the reasons for them. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 this is what it says there how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation this salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him God also testified to it by signs wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will so we can see there in that passage that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given in order to show, in order to, to demonstrate to others that salvation is true. So one reason for the gifts being given are that they confirm the truth of the gospel. They're a signpost to someone who's, who's looking at us, who's encountering us that the gospel is true. There's one more reason we're going to look at. One more reason. This is in 1 Peter chapter 4. If you'll turn with me there. 1 Peter chapter 4. That's verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts so that each one, each Christian here, each Christian here at REC can faithfully administer God's grace to the whole body of Christ, all, all the Christians here. Can you see how God is using Christians to dispense his grace as a normal way of showing his love? Do you remember that we said last week, that Christianity is not a solo sport. This is why. This is why it's important not to be a, a lone ranger Christian. Christian, this is one reason why your life itself has meaning as, and is important, that it's full of purpose. You're not sure what the purposes are in your life. You know, here is one reason that God is going to use you to distribute his grace. If you're here today and, and not a Christian... Do you feel that you're struggling for a purpose in your life, that your life is perhaps without direction or lacking direction? In a passage like this one that we read just a moment ago, and there are many others in the Bible, can you see how the Christian life is a life of purpose, a life which has a plan? God loves you. He desires that you would turn to him in trust and love. 
Yes, certainly the Christian life comes at a cost. Some hired a very high one. And people here can certainly attest to that. But it is so worth it. Can't you see how attractive the type of life is that we've been talking about today? Anyway, one final question here. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. How are we supposed to use these gifts? Romans chapter 12, and this is verse 4. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. You remember how we talked about that last week? And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So we see here, Paul urging us, whatever gifts we've been given to to build up the church, we should use it. Use it willingly. Use Use those gifts joyfully. Use them lovingly. But use them. Use them to the best that you can to build up the church. Now I know there are a number of teachers here and normally teachers when somewhere else will head to the back of the room in the same way that their kids do. This is just a learned behaviour as far as I can tell. I'm noticing his people here who are sitting sitting at the back. Um, Remember you were all given homework. I don't know if that's why you're sitting at the back but we all had homework last week. I don't know if you remember your homework assignment. Your homework assignment is how do I know what my gifts are. Talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, I want to suggest to you a few ways in which uh, you can perhaps help yourself to find out what your spiritual gifts are. Uh, Firstly, uh, do not bother about questionnaires and all that kind of stuff. There's a number of online questionnaires. uh, You know, answer these 37 pages of questions and we'll tell you what your spiritual gift is. Uh, They're not reliable Uh, They're all quite expensive. How on earth is a questionnaire supposed to duplicate the work of the Holy Spirit? Forget it. Uh, Secondly, and far more helpfully, I think, think about what you do that people really appreciate but you think nothing of. So it's something that you do and people say, oh, I really love it when you do that. You, You just really... You helped me so much. You, you helped us all so much. You did dot, 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 dot. And you're thinking, well, it's really anything, you know. It's just, just what I normally do. That might be a clue to what your spiritual gift is. Uh, thirdly, uh, pray that God will show you some way to serve, to build up the church, or to build up people as, as disciples. Uh, that's the kind of prayer he loves to answer, and that's the kind of prayer that when he does answer those ways he showed you might again be a clue to your spiritual gifts number four serve in whatever God gives you to do 
Don't overthink it. Just do it, to quote Nike. You know, um, don't be stressing about, oh, is this my gift or is it my gift? Uh, you know, get in there, start serving, and um, see what happens. See what happens. And some of the other parts of this will, will link into that, that further on. You know, flower where God plants you. Uh, because number five, the church can use that then to discern your gifts. As it gets built up, it can say, okay, I can see that you have a spiritual gift in dot, 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 dot. So, you know, myself and Denise, we've been at REC now for, uh, what, four and a half, five months, and we can already see the way in which so many of you build up the church with your own spiritual gifts. The fact that Joan has a gift of encouragement, building us all up. How Ian has a gift of leadership, the way in which he diligently leads this church in a faithful way. Uh, Ian Marriott's compassionate prayers, Angela and Andrew's hospitality, all these things build up the church, all these things encourage us. Dawn's, Joan, excuse me, Dawn's gift for children, for the way in which she uh, teaches them and just pours out her love on them. We can see that. We can see the way in which you have spiritual gifts, but we can only discern them if we get to know each other well. We can only discern them if we're invested in each other's lives. If we're not, how are we going to discern that? How are we going to understand what people are, how people are building up the church, what gifts they're using? And number six, another reason why we get to know each other well, uh, and, and it's really important that we get to know each other well, is that when we love each other and we care for each other enough, we can also, and be really careful what I'm saying here, and really notice what I'm saying here, so we can also tell people very gently, very gently, with love and with truth, that they don't perhaps have a gift in a spiritual area. Look, you know, speaking personally, be honest with me, if I don't have a spiritual gift for something, please just tell me. That'll save you all a lot of pain. That'll save me a pain. You know, if you don't think I'm the darts player that I should be, please just tell me. Yes, in love and in care, with a bit of a laugh maybe, but that will help us all if you do that. Number seven. Number seven, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but just jump in and serve. Just jump in and serve in the church. And the church can discern your gifting. There are so many needs that we have. You could help with the audiovisual, at first steps, with energy, at the Sunday school, with the creche, perhaps with the music, with the premises, leading Bible studies, preaching, visiting people, starting a ministry we don't have yet, very importantly. Uh, reading the Bible one-on-one -on -one with someone, arranging Costa Coffee Nights, arranging Christmas events, sorting out the books upstairs, just jump in and serve them with so many things that we need to do. Going back to a previous point, number help, help others to see their gifts. Be quick to point out to people what their gifts are. Uh, don't be slow. Be quick. Be thinking about it. Be conscious about it. And help them to discern their gifts and encourage them in their gifts and say, you know, thank you for that. I can really see how you, how you helped us in this way because you've got a gift of administration. Just tell them that. That'll really help. And also... Give people opportunities to use their gifts. Uh, don't be slow 
to let people use gifts in your life. Remember, that's, that's not so much about that person. It's about how God is giving you grace in your life. Uh, again, that's easy to do if, if you're invested in each other's lives. Um, when I was in Cayman, uh, I was one of the youth leaders and we decided to step aside and start running a young married group. At that point, uh, one of the members in the church stepped into the youth leadership team. Uh, he'd sort of been involved before to a certain extent, but he really stepped in uh, to the team in a big way. And now, he's, now this uh, youth group is running uh, loads of kids, doing lots of exciting things, uh, growing people, being discipled, becoming more mature in their faith. Yeah, because this guy's using a gift that he's been given by God. But Kyle, maybe, maybe not, we don't know, but Kyle may not have stepped up into that youth leadership position while I was on the team. Now he's had the opportunity, we can see the gift that he's got. Praise God for him. He's a great and faithful brother. But do you remember our last point last week? What we are equipped with most of all, is this most excellent way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, love. And if you notice, if you still got the, the Bible open here in chapter 12 of Romans, notice that after talking about spiritual gifts in the first part of chapter 12, uh, verse 9, he then goes on to say, love is, must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Notice how each of those passages about uh, spiritual gifts is followed straight afterwards by a passage about love. I'd never noticed till I was reading this the other day. If we don't use our spiritual gifts in, in a way that is infused with love, in a way that is caring and gentle to people, in a way that we are trying to show people the love of God then we're wasting our time if we're using the gifts and there's no love in them then it will be dry it, will be, uh, it won't be a picture of the gospel it'll just be a picture of people doing things why would God give us gifts if we were not to use them in love yes we should pray for for particular gifts. Yes, we should pray that God would show us our gifting, but also we, we must pray for bigger and bigger hearts so we can love each other more and more and more. And so using our gifts won't feel like a chore. It'll just be natural. It will just come out of the love that's been shown us by our God and the love that we want to return to him and to our brothers and sisters. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us together into this body of Christ at REC. Father, we're just so thankful that you have given us gifts not because they make us seem better or bigger or whatever, but because we can then use them to build up your church. We can use them to love our brothers and sisters. Father, I pray that you would help us understand what our gifts are. Father, I pray that you would 
give us opportunity to use those gifts here. Why? Not for ourselves, but because of you. So your name will be glorified. So your church will be built up. So your gospel will go forth and people would see that and they would come to you and they would be saved, Lord. Father, please be merciful to us. And help us to see and use these gifts in the light of your gospel, in the light of your love. Because we love your church and we want it to be built up. Amen.